Greetings, friends, and welcome to the 2023 Eclectic Monk Christmas Extravaganza. That's right, it's Christmas time. And in this episode, we've got a little bit of everything and hopefully something for everyone. We've got songs, we've got stories. Cousin Lottie's going to drop by and ruin another wonderful Christmas special. All in all, I hope that this is one of those things that you have begun to look forward to, and I hope that you enjoy this one, Christmas 2023. You know, Christmas is weird. We have this, this conflux of Christian tradition and pagan celebrations that kind of all wrap up together, but in the end, we remember Christmas is about God becoming one of us. The Word became flesh, dwelt among us. For unto us a Savior is born, and his name is Jesus. Don't ever forget, that's what Christmas is really all about, as Linus told Charlie Brown. Anyway, find your ugly sweater, get you a cup of hot cocoa, kick back by the fireplace, and enjoy the eclectic monk Christmas extravaganza. And until we meet again somewhere in the new year, I pray that you travel well, enjoy the journey, never doubt that you're deeply loved by the God who not only created you, but who sent his son to redeem you. That is something worth celebrating. Until we meet again, God bless and Merry, Merry Christmas. There's no snow coming down star is shining bright I'm sitting out on my front porch watching the planes fly out of sight yes everybody's going I'm here at home, here in the pines There are no one-horse sleighs on the streets of Georgia Still everybody knows it's Christmas time There's no reason to try and make it what it's not It's no winter wonderland But the spirit of the season Still runs deep and wide
through the soul of a native southern man. Oh, everybody's going home for Christmas. Time at home here in the pines. There are no slaves on the streets of Georgia Still everybody knows it's Christmas time Yes, everybody knows it's Christmas time of year again Christmas time which means it's time again to take a long look at a beloved children's Christmas classic this year we're going to take a deep dive into Frosty the Snowman a story about a a happy snowman who comes to life and delights the children although when you scratch it you dig into it a little bit deeper you'll find out this is a it's a pretty dark story in fact, it's really a story of terrible adulting and children making deadly mistakes. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. Happy birthday! Frosty the snowman was a jolly. 
All right, look, I know it's just a cartoon. I know that. And I know that Frosty the Snowman could not come to life, that a being made of frozen water crystals is not going to walk and dance and sing and throw snowballs and do belly whoppers and all the stuff that Frosty did. I know that ain't even possible. So we're going to set aside that incredulousness in we're gonna encourage We're gonna we're gonna pretend like it happened. All right. Let's just not even go there. What I want to look at is the adult decisions that were made around the children and the singing, talking snowman. Now, the first thing that I ever picked up on is that I got a child in a miniskirt playing in the snow. What adult in their grown mind would allow their child to go out into the snow? Now, one of the things that you'll notice if you listen to the song or you watch the, the TV show, you never know exactly where Frosty is. We don't know what town that was. I am going to assume it was somewhere in the Midwest because they had Christmas snow. And let's face it, down here where I live, we very rarely get Christmas snow. In fact, I saw a flake of snow about twice in my whole life down there. There's a big snowfall up there right before Christmas. So I'm assuming this is somewhere up around Milwaukee, Wisconsin. That's where I'm going to call the stories taking place. Now, again, that's just conjecture based on their accents and the lay of the land and the fact that they are in proximity to winter weather in December. It could have been Minneapolis. It could have been any number of places up in the Northwest, but that's where I'm figuring it's the Midwest somewhere up north near the Canadian border. They had snow in December, a lot of it, enough to build a big old snowman, and then he come to life. And in the middle of that, I got a girl in a miniskirt in the snow. Now, parents, would you let your kid go outside in a snowstorm with a miniskirt on? I mean, yeah, she had mittens and a little coat and some little earmuffs, but that don't do nothing for frostbite if you're out there in a miniskirt. Kid needed some clothes on, that's all I'm trying to say, and she didn't have any. Now, we also see, now the poor teacher, we'll give the teacher credit. She was doing her best to entertain children who are out of their mind with Christmas excitement the day before Christmas break. And so she hired a magician to come in and entertain the kids. Wasn't she thoughtful? That's good adulting right there. That's a good teacher. Only she didn't do a very good job of vetting her, uh, her entertainment. Because she brought in a real scumbag, Professor Hinkle. Now, Professor Hinkle, now, he's either the dumbest human being that ever lived, or he's just mean and evil. He could be a predator. All I know is he's going to follow this poor girl all the way up to the North Pole trying to get his hat back. What kind of dummy does that? Unless he's just selfish and greedy. Everybody knows finders keepers is the playground rule. He lost his hat. He should have just gone, got over it. And thinking that it had magic in it for him, he's just dumb. But let's give him some credit. Maybe the hat really was magic. I mean, Frosty was singing and dancing and walking through town. And, you know, that poor police officer swallowed his uh, his whistle. And he, he, luckily, he didn't choke to death, but even though he was just whistling noises. Somebody should have helped him. Nobody stopped. Nobody gave him any kind of first aid. The man could be dead for all we know, still laying in the middle of the streets of Milwaukee. Nobody cared. 
Bad adulting all the way around. Professor Hinkle's too busy trying to get his hat back. Nobody else is paying attention to a pack of children running around town with a snowman. Now you'd have thought that would have raised a ruckus. Apparently didn't raise too many eyebrows. Anyway, Karen decides that Frosty is going to melt and she's going to save him. She is an honorable character, even though she's out half naked in the snowstorm. And so she decides that she's going to get on a train and take Frosty to the North Pole where he can stay frozen all the time. Now that was, a, again, that was a smart kid thing to do. But it was probably pretty much impossible. Then she went to the train station. And this, I'm going to come back to this. I'm going to come back to the train station because I, I find it just a little bit odd the way he routes them. So we're going to talk about that in the second part, how she got to the North Pole or was supposed to be getting to the North Pole. Still not sure how she got to the North Pole, but anyway, let's break that down. First off, she ends up sneaking the snowman into a frozen boxcar carrying ice cream cakes and other delightful goodies on its way to the North Pole. I guess the elves in the North Pole like them some frozen ice cream and stuff. Now, what you may not know is frozen transportation to, to keep ice cream frozen and ice cream cakes and all them kind of thing, the inside of that is going to be between 12 and 0 degrees. It's going to be set for 0. It runs up to 12. It'll be all right. It won't hurt it. I got a girl in a miniskirt hanging out with a snowman in a 0 degree boxcar for however long it took to get from Milwaukee, Wisconsin to the North Pole. Now, in the cartoon it didn't take but a couple of minutes in real life it's going to take longer than that and on top of that you got professor hinkle who goes and hangs on to the undercarriage of the train now nobody shoes him off nobody says hey man get off the train he's just hanging on to it and here's a little fun fact for you now if it was a balmy 15 degrees fahrenheit and the train was going 30 miles an hour the wind chill where Professor Hinkle was hanging out was minus five. Now, Professor Hinkle, as you might remember, doesn't have a hat anymore. He's wearing a tuxedo shirt, some pants. He's got some little white gloves on. He is not prepared for minus five for any length of time. Now, you'll be happy to know that at minus five, your chances of frostbite are pretty low. If the train was going 30 miles an hour and it dropped down to 5 degrees Fahrenheit, which I assumed it probably would, it got dark anyway. Your wind chill is now minus 19. He's got 30 minutes till he's got frostbite all over any exposed flesh, which would be his face, head, hands, and hair. He'd probably be dead. Actually, the wind chill and the, all that frostbite, that's not a real problem. The problem is hypothermia. Now, both the little girl in the miniskirt and the zero-degree boxcar and the stupid, evil, wicked, greedy magician hanging on to the undercarriage of the train, both would be dead of hypothermia within a couple of, you know, half hour or so. But let's assume they survive. They get to the North Pole. When they get to the North Pole, there's, there's trees and woodland animals who build fires. Well, let's pretend like that could even happen. Pretend it did happen. Wait a minute, it couldn't happen. Because in the North Pole, there ain't no trees. The North Pole was actually just a frozen 
piece of water. There is no landmass at the North Pole. Did you know that? Now there is at the South Pole. South Pole is a real continent. The North Pole is simply a polar ice cap. There is no land up there. Since there is no land, there ain't no dirt. There ain't no dirt. There ain't no trees. But there was, apparently. And then, of course, there was the greenhouse where they were growing fancy poinsettias. And I always wondered where the power came from from that because I can't imagine there's a whole lot of power lines or gas lines. or Maybe they had geothermal hooked up. Maybe Santa Claus has got some geothermal power going on up there. Maybe he's got his own nuclear power plant. I don't know. Just wondering because I didn't see no power lines or anything coming into the greenhouse where the poinsettias were being grown in the North Pole, which would take an awful lot of energy to make that happen, uh, given the fact that in December there's no daylight in the North Pole. Zero in December. Polar night, you know, all that. So, that's not the worst of it. I mean, first off, we got, we got a little girl running around all over town with a snowman and nobody asks, where's your mom and dad? We got a magician who's chasing little girls into the woods on trains. And then she finally meets up with Santa Claus. And, and Santa Claus does some good stuff. He, he saves Karen. He, he restores Frosty, brings him back to life. Puts Karen into his uh, into his sleigh, and then he then he sends Professor Hinkle to his death in an Arctic wilderness. It's the middle of the night. The man ain't got no clothes. He's out there uh, facing hypothermia and whatever else might be out there. And does Santa say, "Would you like a ride back to town?" No, he just says, "Don't do that again, or you won't get no Christmas presents." And Hinkle runs off into the woods like a crazy person. I figured he lasted overnight. Maybe might have made it to morning. Anyway, he takes Frosty and Karen, puts him in his sled, one horse open sleigh or whatever it is. We got eight tiny reindeer, whatever he had. And they go flying off back to Milwaukee, Wisconsin, where I'm assuming she was from. And when he get there, now I would assume by now her parents are worried sick. My little girl in a miniskirt's been outside in the freezing weather for hours now. We can't find her. Last we heard, she had got on a train with a walking, talking snowman. Any kind of parent would have been concerned. And when you'd think Santa Claus, being, you know, a responsible human being, would have brought the girl to the house, knocked on the door, said, I got your daughter, she's safe, and everybody would have had a happy reunion. Did he do that? Heck no. He lands on the roof, dumps her off on the top of an icy roof, waves Merry Christmas, and disappears. Good luck, Karen. Hope you don't fall to your death after everything else you've been through. Knock on the window. Hope your daddy opens it up and gets you down. That's terrible adulting. All of these are terrible decisions that are made. Every one of them would have led to the untimely death of a cute little girl and a crazy magician. We ain't even talking about Frosty because he's going to melt and come back every year, apparently, as long as that hat's around. Anyway story is just dark, filled with death, and it's filled with one major problem that I'm going to talk about right after this. It's Christmas time. Are you looking for that perfect gift for that special someone, but you're finding it difficult this year? 
Well, I have good news. The pharmacology experts at Astrophosica have put together a holiday pairing just for you. We call it the side effect. What you get is a four ounce tube of magic mood lotion and two 50 milligram oxyembecil tablets. You use the magic mood lotion any way you like. There's no telling what might happen. And then you take the tablets and you never remember. It's a beautiful gift for beautiful people to enjoy a beautiful moment and then never think about it again. Don't delay. Call now. Test subjects who have used this product have had catastrophic side effects, but the folks at Astrofarsica feel pretty good about it. Now, the FDA has not approved this pairing and anything could happen, but we feel like your chances are really, really good. So call now and get yours delivered ASAP. Remember to use responsibly. And Astrofarsica assumes no liability for anything that happens. Order the side effect now and have a Merry Christmas and an even happier New Year, if you know what I mean. We'd like a ticket to the North Pole, please. Everybody loves to sing when she goes with Frosty over to the train station and she walks in. She goes, I need a ticket to the North Pole, please. And the little crazy man does all kind of crazy stuff and he jumps up and down and he flails his arms. And there's all these crazy sound effects. And then he and then he tries to sell her a ticket that costs $3,000.04, including tax. It's so cute the way he does it. And she ain't got no money and he kicks her out. He doesn't say, honey, it's cold outside. You need some clothes. He just says, get out of here, kid. You ain't got no money. You don't get no ticket. So they go and they do what any you know rational human being would do. They go break into a refrigerated boxcar and face hypothermia on the way to North Pole. But one of the things is, as somebody who understands logistics, one of the things that always kind of fascinated me was the way he routed that ticket. Now, you would think that the most direct way to get from Milwaukee, Wisconsin to the North Pole would have been to go, you know, north through whatever means possible. Now, we know there ain't no train tracks to the North Pole. You can't take a train through the North Pole. You could take a train to North Pole, Alaska, and that would solve some of the problems with the story. There'd be trees and woodland animals and all that. North Pole, Nebraska, North Pole, Alaska, a real place, not Nebraska, Alaska. They sound the same. They're a long way from each other. North Pole, Alaska is right outside of Fairbanks, Alaska. And so he could have sent them there, but he still sent them in the wackiest way. He says, I'm sending you by way of Saskatchewan, 
Hudson Bay, Nome, Alaska, and Klondike, and Aurora Borealis, and you got to change trains in Nanook of the North. That's what the man said. I took the liberty of routing that and figuring out what the mileage would be, what was going on. Now again, I'm assuming she's in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. That seems to be the most rational and logical place for the story to begin. It could have been somewhere else. I could be off by a few hundred miles. It really doesn't make that much of a difference when you listen to it. But to get to where he was sending her, when she left Milwaukee, Wisconsin, he said Saskatchewan. Now, Saskatchewan is a province in Canada. It is not a city. The capital city is Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. So I'm assuming when he sent her to Saskatchewan, he sent her to Saskatoon. That would be the logical place to go. That means she had 1,245 miles northwest from Milwaukee to get to Saskatoon. Now then, he sent her from Saskatoon to Hudson Bay. Now, Hudson Bay is a big body of water, but there is a Hudson Bay, Saskatchewan. Right there on the western side of Hudson Bay, there's Hudson Bay, Saskatchewan, which is due east of Saskatoon, about 206 miles. So he sent her up to Saskatoon, northwest, and then east to Hudson Bay. And then it said he sent her to Nome, to Nome, Alaska. Now, <clears throat> those of you who don't know, Nome, Alaska is way up on the uh, northwest corner. It's It's a got a bay. It's on the ocean, and it's way, way up north. Um, and it turns out there's no road, there, there's no way to get there by land from anywhere. It's, you, I guess you can get there by airplane or by boat, but when I tried to run on several different map programs a way to get to Nome, Alaska, there was no way to get there. Now, what you can do is get first to Anchorage, Alaska, which, of course, is the capital of Alaska. So, say you left Hudson Bay, Saskatchewan, heading northwest over to Anchorage, Alaska, which would be the logical place for the train to run. That is another 2,456 miles northwest. So, from Milwaukee, you've gone northwest to Saskatoon, gone east to Hudson Bay. Now, you're going back northwest to Anchorage. Now, from Anchorage, to get a little closer to Nome, you could go north another 358 miles to get you to Fairbanks, Alaska. And it says he went from Fairbanks to Nome. Dead, I reckon, and from Fairbanks, Alaska to Nome, Alaska is 521 miles. But again, it's there. there is no train service. There is no road. You would have to go by dog sled, airplane, and that's about it. Ain't no other way to get there from there. But what was the point of going there when he sent her back to the Klondike, which is 697 miles southeast of Fairbanks? That's right. He sent her to Fairbanks, Alaska, up to Nome, Alaska, on a railroad that doesn't matter, 521 miles, turned around, drove the same 521 miles back to Fairbanks, Alaska, and then 697 miles southeast to Klondike. Then from Klondike... And this is the, the Klondike National Park. From there to the North Pole, dead reckoning, is 2,225 miles. Now, if you were to go from there up to North Pole, Alaska, which again is just outside of Fairbanks, it's 684 miles, which would make it a little bit closer, but not really 
that much. The other problem you got is she says by aurora borealis, the aurora borealis is an electromagnetic storm that occurs under certain circumstances and it's a, taking place about 60 miles straight up. And there ain't no train that goes there either. Anyway, if you just look at it like it happened, Milwaukee to Saskatoon, back to Hudson Bay, up to Anchorage, to Fairbanks, all the way over to Nome, back down to Fairbanks, down to the Klondike, and from the Klondike to the North Pole, Karen, in a miniskirt, in a frozen boxcar, traveled 8,229 miles. That's right. The little man, the little wacky dude, stamping tickets, routed her to go 8,229 miles. And then he charged her $3,000.04, tax included. Now, when you break it all down, that's only 36 cents a mile. That ain't bad when you put it in perspective. Everybody always thought the man overcharged her. I don't think he did. I just think he routed her poorly. there got to be a better way. There's certainly no reason to go to Nome and turn around and go back. But that's what the man did in this beloved children's classic called Frosty the Snowman. He was another terrible adult. What the man should have done was say, honey, hold on right here. Let me call your mom. And then she'd have come and taken her home and they'd have chunked Frosty outside and he'd have made it through the night because it was getting cold and he'd have melted away the next day and it had been all right. Because we all know snowmen can't talk. Anyway, there you go. Frosty the Snowman, beloved children's classic. Tale of death and deceit and terrible adult decision making. I hope you enjoy it this time. Watch it with a different set of eyes. Till next time, remember, my name is Cousin Lonnie. And I care. Merry Christmas, y'all. And Happy New Year. See you again. As I recall, I was restless that Christmas Eve. And without knowing why, I decided to take a stroll around the town square. Snow was falling lightly, and the pale moon was attempting to break through the thin clouds which seemed to roll like ocean waves across the sky. A cold north wind was blowing, lifting the new snow into swirls of icy flakes which melted upon my cheeks as I walked past the silent, stately homes. I heard the town clock begin to strike midnight as I drew near the park square which lay glistening white beneath its blanket of snow. And then, as the hour was told, I heard the sound of sleigh bells coming down the street. I thought it odd, so I waited there to see who it was. Then, through a curtain of swirling snow, there appeared a sleigh drawn by the largest deer I had ever seen, driven by a portly gentleman dressed in red fur. I shook my head as if to clear away the cobwebs of some half-forgotten dream, thinking surely I was home in bed, but I was not. And as he came closer, I could see that the sleigh was filled with large cloth bags which were drawn together at the tops by coarse cords. And it seemed that he was singing, 
though the words were in some long-ago language which I couldn't quite make out. As he drew beside me, he paused and smiled. His eyes were the deepest blue and lined with creases from years of laughter. His hair was white as alabaster and his beard hung down below his belt which was made of dark leather worked with many runes. Good evening, he said, and I had to smile, for his very air was of joviality. And as the great deer stood stamping in the snow, we both laughed aloud. There was an old-world quaintness about him which is difficult to describe. And as we stood there laughing, I felt that I knew him well. Then he held up his hand, and with a shake of his head, we both grew silent. With a large smile, he reached into a bag and brought forth a small box. With a brief nod, he handed it to me, and then with a thickly spoken Merry Christmas, he slapped the reins and the deer stepped forward through the snow. And as the sleigh moved out of sight, I opened the box with trembling fingers, and there was the most beautiful creche, all in wood with ivory and gold inlay. And Merry Christmas to you, sir, I said. As with a joyful heart, I turned for home and the fire which was awaiting me there. And to this day, the creche sits upon my mantle, ever reminding me of the birth of the Holy Child and the gentle spirit of Christmas joy who lives today and always. Although he died alone 
This episode of The Eclectic Monk was brought to you by the pharmacology experts of Astral Farsica, makers of Hazania, We Scrooge, Oh Screw It, and Xylolobotica. See you next time.